Hey everyone, welcome back to the Word Alive broadcast, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and uh, delighted to have you with me today. And uh, if you're beginning to watch this, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, and would you please just kind of respond by uh, subscribing to this channel so that you'll get notifications whenever we update and send put another video on. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, you just go to our Patreon page and you can select what level of monthly support that you'd like to give us. And everything you do will be greatly appreciated. It will be certainly used just for this ministry as we travel around the world and, uh, and teach the Bible. And like we just did, I just left Greece and we just did uh, uh, some videos in the ancient city of Corinth. Uh, and you can see it there on the page, as well as uh, the Corinthian Canal. And then we did some interviews and uh, taught a class from Mars Hill, which is right across from the Parthenon in Athens. So you can see that there also on the page. And uh, we thank you again so much for being faithful to watch us and be sure to tell your friends about us. And those that love to study the Word of God, we just love for you to come study it with us. And we're continuing in the beginning. We are in the first chapter of the Bible. We'll be doing verse-by-verse -verse commentary of the key words that are, uh, in this case, Hebrew, because that's the original language. And we're picking up at verse number three. And as we were ending the broadcast, we were talking about uh, verse number two, that the Spirit of the Lord hovered or brooded over the face of the deep, which indicated deep water. And all we can really imagine here is that the earth is covered with water. There's no firmament. There's no land. It's just water. And and so the Spirit of God, or the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Holy One, is hovering over, which is also the same as Holy Ghost, is hovering over the earth, the breath of God, because the word Ruach cannot be differentiated from the word breath or spirit. It's the same word. So the breath of God was breathing over the earth. The Spirit of God was brooding over the earth, looking to see how he wanted to do things, how he wanted to create things, according to the blueprint that is in his mind and what he desired to do. And so at verse number three, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, this verse to me is a key verse, not just for this chapter, but for the entire Bible. Because if you really look at the whole purpose of God from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole purpose of God is that there be light in the earth. <laughs> you think about it. It was the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ. He said, ye are the light of the world. In other words, the whole time from beginning to end, God has been trying to introduce his light to the earth, the light of truth, the light of, uh, of the glorious gospel. He has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son and, and the kingdom of light. And so, when he said, let there be light, he is not just talking about let there be a luminary or let there be uh, some source of light uh, whereby he could work, but also he was talking about that he wanted to allow light to penetrate the darkness. Also, I think we can see by this verse that God likes to work in light. He is not a God of darkness. He is a God of light. And of course, I'm going to spoil here a little bit because, uh, you know, honestly, uh, it's not till the fourth day that he creates the sun and the moon and the stars and such as that. So where is this light coming from? And the answer is him. God is the source of all energy, the source of all light, the source of all power. He is the spirit of all energy and life, and he is light. So literally what he was saying is, permit me to interject myself 
into this plan by allowing me to illuminate the earth so that I can work and create what I desire to create. So everything that is created before the fourth day is enhanced by the light that is emanated from his eternal, infinite being. And that is an amazing thing in itself. God said, uh, let there be light. And, and of course, the word there in the Hebrew is or, like mineral ore, but it's Hebrew, O-R-E. Uh, it's actually O-W-R, uh, or. And it literally means illumination or to allow illumination or to allow there to be a source of light or figuratively, it could actually mean interjecting happiness, which I think that's also very fitting because as God is coming to this dreary, you, if you remember uh, in the last broadcast, I was talking about the word darkness there literally means misery and sorrow and death and all of those morbid things, unhappy things. And now God said, let's interject some happiness into this thing. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Elohim said, light be. In the Hebrew, uh, you'll understand that the Hebrew is written in the active sense, uh, which means that instead of he saying, you know, God did this, it is God is doing this. So when God looked at this dark world brooding over the, the deep and, and distinguishing the features that he was going to put there, he just said, let light be. Let, let, the, let the light penetrate. Let the light dominate. And that is what he's been trying to do ever since. Light dominating darkness. God's people dominating the darkness of this world. God's church dominating the dark deeds of the enemy and his kingdom on the earth. And that is exactly what he set into motion on that, that first day of creation. And that has been continuing ever since in some way or another because that is the ultimate plan of God. That's what the whole Bible's about. Letting there be light. Let the light penetrate the darkness and drive away the darkness. And he, he says this, and he said, Elohim said, let light be. This is day one of creation. And light was, light became. And God saw the light that it was good in verse four. And God divided the light from the darkness. And of course, the word there, good, means is the word tobe. It means a good thing or like a good person. It means well-favored. In other words, he said, you know, let everything be according to my favor and my desire. And if it's according to my desire, it's good. And we all know that God is good. So God saw the light that it was good. Uh, if you want to say it this way, God saw the light that it was like him. Okay. It followed his attributes. It followed his desires. Um, he saw that it was suitable. He saw that it was pleasant. He approved of it. And even says this in the verse that he saw it, that it was good and he approved of it and he separated the light from the darkness. So God is going to lay down some physical laws here that are going to stand forever. And really they're not just physical laws because there's really no division in God between the physical and the spiritual because he is a spiritual God and yet he is the Lord of the physical. And so he says, I'm going to divide light from darkness and I'm going to set some rules here. One of the rules is that the more light there is, darkness always has to yield to light. And therefore, the more light there is, the more darkness has to go away. And so there is a natural phenomenon that light always trumps darkness. Light always is greater than darkness. Light drives away darkness. That's a natural law. That's a spiritual law. 
and God established it here on the very first day. Why? Because there's some precedence. That's you know that's what that's what Genesis is all about. It's about precedence. God is setting precedences in this book that is going to last throughout the entire Bible. And if I can just say this, when you see a metaphor in the Bible, it always means the same thing. God has no reason to change it. And so if you see a metaphor here and it, and it means this, then that's what it's going to mean when you see it again, because it simply is the same God doing the same thing. And because he's perfect and never has to change, he never makes errors. He never has a bad day, thank God. Uh, but he, he always does things the same way. He's a God of order. He's a God of design. He's a God of intelligent design, as we see in the creation of the universe. And so he said, this is good. This, this is the way I want it. This is suitable. This is pleasant. Uh, this, this makes me happy. I approve of this. And then he said, light is going to always dominate darkness. Now, in reality, if you think about it, even scientifically, light is, not a, uh, it, light is an entity. God created light, and light is a thing, okay? But darkness is not. Darkness is not an entity. You know, I was in prayer one day, and the Lord just gave me revelation of that. He said, don't you understand that there is no kingdom of darkness because darkness is not an entity. You see, darkness is when light is absent. <laughs> so, in other words, light is the entity that God created here in this verse, in, in verse number three. It is, it is the thing that he created that dominates darkness. Darkness is just the absence of that thing called light. So there is no such thing as darkness. He just said, I'm going to divide light from darkness because where light is, darkness can't be. That was the law. That's what he said. Where light is, darkness has to go away. Now we see that. We don't even think about it because that's just the way things are. The brighter the room, the more darkness goes away. But it's because darkness is not an entity. But light is. Light travels. We, you know, we as scientists have discovered that light travels at a certain speed. Isn't that amazing? Well, if light travels, light is a thing. So the first created thing that God made after he created the universe and created the earth as a part of that is light. And light is a very substantial thing, but light came from him. So there's no sun and there's no stars. So where's light coming from? And of course, the only answer is him. And we read in Revelation, because you see this book is so knitted together that if you pull a, a thread in Genesis, it's going to pucker in Revelation. When you do that, you'll understand that the late, later on it says there was no sun in heaven because the Lord, the Lamb, was the light thereof. So he's still the source of all light. And in this case, the creator of the source of light that will bring warmth and life to the earth, being the sun. And so in verse 5, and God called the light day, and he in the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now there's some things that we're introducing here as precedent, and number one is that he introduces the word day, okay? Now the word uh, in the Hebrew is yom, and yom simply means uh, to be hot or a day or warm hours or or from sunrise to sunset or from one sunset to the next. 
And you know, the way the Hebrews look at things, the Jews even today, they always look at the evening and the morning. So the Sabbath starts at the evening of Friday night, and it ends with the morning, uh, uh, with the evening rather, of Saturday night. So it is the evening and the morning that makes the day. And so that is the same precedent that God sets here in the fifth verse. And, and he calls the day Yom, he calls it day, uh, and it means the warm time of the day or the time of the sun or a space of time for warmth. And, and of course, it is designed for something. Understand that God is a productive God. Everything about God is productive. I mean, look, he comes to the earth and the first thing he does is start working. And he creates things and he makes things. He, 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 he creates things out of nothing. And, and, and because he is a worker, he is productive. And if we are his people, we will also be productive. He, he doesn't do anything that's not productive. Everything that has anything to do with God is productive. Look at all the living things he created. They're all reproductive. They create the next generation and carry their genetics to the next generation that God first instituted when he created them. And so the same thing here, we see the same thing. God is working and he creates day. Day is the time to work. Day is the time when you're going to uh, do the things that are important. And these are the warm hours and these are the hours when things grow. And, uh, and we understand that because in some of the areas of the world where the sun does not shine very often because of, of the, where it is positioned and you have uh, a longer night, you have uh, growth uh, that is not going to be as uh, active as it is in places where there's uh, a long day and a lot of sunlight. So sunlight stimulates growth. And, and in this case, the light is God stimulating growth. And he says, this is day and this is night. The day will be the warm hours, the productive hours. The night will be the time when there is no light or the absence of light. And you know what is amazing? Another example of there is a God, okay? He creates a moon. Now, he does that for several planets, but there's difference about our moon. Our moon is reflective, uh, how God created it. It's exactly where it needs to be in a distance away from the earth so that it, the gravity of the earth does not slowly pull it closer and closer to us, which would end in catastrophe. But it's also far enough away that it is not affecting the orbit of the earth or the specific gravity of the earth. And yet it is close enough that we can see it and that it serves to be a light in the night. Now, let me tell you how powerful God is when it comes to light. Okay, later on, we're going to read where God created the sun and the moon and the stars. Now, there's two things we can learn from that, and we'll talk about that again later, is God does not like emptiness. He does not like vacuum. He fills all things. That's his nature. So he fills, you know, he said, okay, this is day and the sun's going to shine when I create it during the day. But at night, I just can't stand it to be complete darkness. There's going to have to be some light during the darkness too, because I'm a God of light and I don't want people to be in fear and I don't want people to be uncertain. I'm not going to clothe the entire earth in utter darkness. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put stars up there to remind them that I'm there and I'm going to put a moon there to rule the night. In other words, it will be an orb of light reflecting the sun. We don't know that at this time, but it reflects the sunlight. And to remind you that even in your darkest time, there is a sun shining. 
It may not be in the sky, but somewhere it's shining and it's reflecting on this orb in the sky at night called the moon. So God did not allow his creation to be in utter darkness. He realized there had to be a time of rest and there had to be a time of darkness. But in his creation, in his design, he would not leave us in utter darkness, but he would always have a light. And that light is the moon that will later be created to rule the night. And the evening, and, and the, I love the way that the Hebrew says it, and the evening becomes the morning, and the, that becomes the first day. So we have looked at the first day of creation and what has happened. God has created light, and he set some rules. He's created an entity called light that will rule over darkness, and the more light there is, the less darkness there will be. The word night is the word layil in the Hebrew, uh, and it uh, could also be uh, lel in the Hebrew. And uh, leilal is also another word that's just a derivative of it, leilal. And it means the same thing. It just means a twist. A twist away from the light. Or uh, a night. Uh, or a twist away from adversity. And here we see the wisdom of God filtering through the Hebrew language, which is the original language. Listen to what he's saying. And then there is the night. The night is when I will twist the earth. <laughs> I will turn the earth, and therefore one side will be covered with the sun, and the other side will have the absence of the sun. But there will be a moon that the sun shines on that reflects some light into the night. Now think about how dark the night can be without the moon. I know sometimes when you have just a little, barely have a crescent of the moon in the sky, and if you're out in the country where there's no uh, artificial lighting or electrical lighting, it can be very, very dark, but also the stars are gorgeous because they're more obvious because there's the absence of interference of light in, and, and, and electrical light and such as that. So you really get the impact. And that is the kind of night that the ancient man saw. That's why they went to bed and locked all the doors and, and just went to sleep. You know, There was no such thing as night owls back then because you just didn't have anything you could do. You didn't want to burn too much of the oil in your lamp. And so because of that, you would go to bed. And so uh, at nighttime, it became a time of inactivity where everybody just went to bed and slept under the safety of their roof until the day came. And then when the day came, they would go out. So it's interesting that layil or yalal actually means a twist or a turn, a revolution. So he's indicating in the Hebrew, the earth will revolve. And as it revolves, you'll have day and then you'll have night and then you'll have day as the earth revolves or twists or turns. And, uh, and then it says the evening or the Ereb, which means the dusk or the ending of the day. It is the time when night takes over. And he says the evening and the morning or the Bukur. You know, uh, in the Hebrew, we say Bokor Tov, which means good morning. But the Bokor means uh, the morning or the dawn or the break of day. And, and so he's saying the evening when the sun took over and it was dusk and, and or the, or the moon took over and the sun went down. And then the morning with the rising of the sun is the evening and the morning were the first day. And this is a day without the sun the only light we have is God Almighty. Now, look at verse number six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. 
so now we are getting something different here. He's created day and night. And now he is going to take this orb of water and he is going to begin to create a firmament or land, as we call it, uh, and continents. And, you know, I, I know everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but in my opinion, and, uh, and I have a studied opinion, I'll just say that, I believe in Pangaea. I believe that all of the continents were at one time formed into one continent and, uh, and through the tectonic plates moving over the course of time and even the flood, the disruption of the flood, it caused those plates to drift apart and then now we have individual continents. So when God made the firmament on the earth, it was just one large body of land that emerged from the water and existed for a great deal of time, even up to the time uh, till after the flood. So, you know, when we talk about water, I mean, my my son Adrian made a comment one time that I thought was really interesting. He said, uh, you know, Dad, he said, uh, there, is no other, there is no more water since the create, creation of the world. Nothing is making fresh water. And I got to thinking about this. I said, man, that's pretty brilliant. You know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of my son. Because what he was saying was that when God created the water, that was it. The water that we are drinking today, this may sound a little, a little distasteful, but the water that we're drinking today has been strained and filtered through rock, but it's actually the same water somebody else drank in generations before. And, and of course, we understand how the vapor goes up and then it rains down. And so there is no more water. What God created as far as water is still here, and there's nothing creating more water. God created this thing called water. And water is not some naturally occurring phenomenon unless it is supernaturally occurring and God created it. And there's some things about water that's really amazing. I did some research on it. I kind of jotted down a few notes here. But, you know, water is colorless, odorless, and without taste in its purest form. You know, there of course, there will be minerals that give it a taste or whatever. I can't stand it when it's got sulfur in it and smells like rotten eggs. You know, you don't want to drink that. But, but water in its purest form is odorless, it's colorless, and it's without taste. And it has some principles, some, some, some characteristics that are pretty amazing that just lets you know that there is a, a, a creator that created it. It's not something that just happened. You know, I, I hear the theory, and you've heard the theory, it's kind of ridiculous to me, you know, that, that this primordial soup somehow became a one-celled being, and, and then the one-celled being became a multi-celled being, and then it turned into some kind of fish that became a mammal that crawled out on the shore. I mean, you know, that's almost as bad as, as the ancient Egyptians believing they came from worms, and the ancient Greeks believing that Aphaea had favor upon some ants that had helped her in some way and turned them into humans. Now, if you think my theory is ridiculous, let's look at some of these. Uh, you know, because man's always trying to explain how we got here. But we don't have to. God gave Moses the whole plan when he was on top of the mountain with God for 40 days in God's school, God gave Moses the plan, told him exactly how he did everything, didn't leave anything to guesswork at all. And you know what? All of the smart people up until the last generation believed it. Now we got smart people that are so smart, they're educated beyond their intelligence, and they don't believe that God created the world, when every other generation before us certainly did believe that God created the world. So, you know, well, I guess that's enough of that. But water is chemically neutral, okay? So in other words, uh, you can use the water, uh, it, 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 you can use it to grow food or, or medicines or minerals or whatever, because it is natural in the body. 
Your body is 75% water is what I understand. You know what's funny is the earth is 75% water. So my body, which is an earthly body, is a direct reflection of the earth that God created. You see his signature in a lot of things. Let me show you another example of the intelligent designer, or I call him God, God's, uh, God's actual signature here. When you look at the smallest thing that God created, in other words, all things are made of molecules and all molecules are made of atoms, you see in an atom, you have a neutron that is in the middle and you have electrons that are circling around it. And it wasn't until recently that we found that we actually have uh, quantums that also circle around the electrons and the protons. And, and when you look at that, you see a center with things revolving around it and then little things revolving around them. And guess what? In the picture of an atom, you have the same design as the universe. In the universe, we have the sun and we have the planets that revolve around it. And then the planets have moons that revolve around them. And, you know, heaven knows what we will find next in, in uh, atomic uh, science, that there might even be smaller particles, you know, out there, or even asteroid bands, if you please, inside of atomic uh, matter that we don't even really understand because we haven't gotten down that far. But you see, what I am saying is that the same design of the atom is the same design he used for the universe, for the for the 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 universe that we live in, and for the entire uh, solar system, and then the universe of, uh, that is full of solar systems, all the same design with the same, even the same physics. You've got the planets that are in certain uh, specific gravity for them to maintain their orbit, and they're orbiting around the center of the atom. And then you've got the electrons that have power, and they are circling around the planets uh, like the moons. And then you've got smaller particles that might even be circling around the moons. And so you've got the same strategy, the same design. Why? Because it's the same designer. He made it all, and he did it from small to largest in the very same structure. And to me, that's pretty awesome that he left his signature saying, hey, by the way, there is a God and I am him and I designed this. And just kind of like an artist when he signs the bottom of a picture that he's proud of to mark it and say, I did this. Well, God does the same thing. He has that same thing. Another thing about water that's pretty amazing in my notes here, it has a unique surface tension. Uh, and because it does, uh, roots can actually draw it from the soil and then trees can draw that water against gravity up through the veins of the tree to the limbs and then to the leaves to bring life to the, to the tree. So think of the science involved in just getting water to the leaves of a tree. And it had to be a substance that had a unique uh, surface tension in order for it to be able to be pulled against gravity and being able to be suctioned, if you please, uh, through the tree, to the limbs, to the leaves. And so, you know, water is, is such a unique thing. And um, a lot of people say 90% of the earth is covered with water uh, and 75% of your body is water. Uh, and so water is this miraculous thing that God created and life comes from it. And so here we see him brooding over the water and he creates the firmament and the land begins to rise out of the water. And there we see the beginnings of the land that God will create and put trees on and, and there'll be flowers and then he'll create man and he'll create woman and he'll put them in the garden. And the firmament is of course a major part of his creation because it divides the waters from the waters. 
Also, we've got this vapor barrier that is above us in the atmosphere that was much thicker before the flood, and that is water in the, in the atmosphere being separated from the waters that are in the earth. And so we have separation going on here in the uh, in the this day two. There's a lot of separation that's taking place, and God is creating these things. And we're going to talk about the significance of the separation, the significance of this division as the rakia, which is firmament, begins to be divided from the rest of the earth and from the waters that are below, and that they are dis- bisected, if you please, by by the waters that are above in the atmosphere. And and waters that are below on the earth, and he's going to create fish and all of these things, and we're just moving into this creation story. But I I guess you can see from what I'm saying how important it is to understand there is a creator, and he is doing all these things, and that these things cannot just happen. It almost would be like you taking a watch and tear it into a million pieces and think that when you put it in a bag and shake it up about five times, that when you open it up, you're going to pull out the watch again. Not going to happen. You're not going to do that to my watch because it's not going to happen. Those odds are so immense that it is impossible. And I'm telling you, the fact that all of this just happened is absolutely ridiculous. As ridiculous as thinking that that watch would be whole again after you shook it a few times, after you tore it into many pieces. And so we will continue to study that there is a God, that he created this world, and that the book of Genesis is a marvelous book that talks about all of those beginnings. And so I thank you so much for watching. And I just want to say that we're doing everything we can to make the word come alive to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Word Alive broadcast. If you enjoy the video, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing to our channel. Once you've subscribed, make sure to click on the notification bell so that you'll be notified each time a new episode is released. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by checking out our Patreon page and signing up for one of the provided monthly tiers. A link to our Patreon page can be found down in the description. God bless you, and we'll see you next time as we continue to make the Word come alive to you.